How's everybody? Huh? Warm? Thank God for warmth, right? Yeah. Everybody stand with me real quick. Put your feet together. You got six feet in front of you. Go down as far as you can. Stand up. That doesn't have anything to do with the service. Just do it. <clears throat> now, now we're loose. Amen? You can sit. You can sit. <clears throat> Just thought I'd do something to loosen us up. <clears throat> so one time, years ago, somebody asked me, why don't you start the service out with something funny? And I said, well, because everybody does that. I mean, most of the guys that preach and pastor, most everybody starts something this, with something that's funny. And so I've never done it, but I am today. <clears throat> so history's in the making right now, right? Something new. And it's a really, really short joke because I love this joke. It's my favorite joke. And it's very, very corny. And uh, it's an Aggie joke. Now, when you tell jokes today, you have to realize that, um, you know, people could get offended with a lot of things, you know. Um, But I was raised an Aggie from the time I can remember. I was a New Mexico Aggie. My dad was the golf coach at New Mexico State for 35 years, and so I watched every basketball game, every football game, every baseball game, and followed the golf team, and then I played for New Mexico State. <clears throat> I played golf for New Mexico State. So I was an Aggie from way back. And man, I, I, I loved all the Aggie jokes. I mean, I got into all of them, you know. And um, one guy used to say, um, and you know, th- this could be taken wrong also, that uh, <clears throat> Aggie jokes are the male version of blonde jokes. Now, now, you're, now you're categorizing, you know, men and women Blonde women or whatever, you know. So, uh, how many like Aggie jokes? You don't like Aggie jokes? Okay. <clears throat> so, so, if it offends you, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll say it ahead of time. But uh, this picture, you know, when I, when I grew up, Aggies and, and, you know, the mascot for the Aggie was a, you know, was a, there, was a, there was a real live mascot. Aggie that was dressed up in all his cowboy uniform and a big burgundy cap that said New Mexico State over the front of it. And then, then there was the mascot at the football games, and he was a big Aggie, you know. So envision this massive Aggie up in a tree. He's way up at the top of the tree. And he's telling you, I'm not coming down. And... As you notice, the guy's only got one arm. He's a one-arm Aggie. So how do you get that Aggie out of the tree? You wave at it. The reason I like that joke is because when I first heard it, I laughed on and off for three days. I kept envisioning this guy in the tree, and he's holding on, and, and, and an Aggie, if you waved at him, he'd wave back. 
So you get a one-armed Maggie out of a tree by waving at him. Okay. Has nothing to do with my message whatsoever. But that's my, I think, my, Sandra, is that my first joke ever? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Pretty bad, right? Pretty bad. That's why I don't do the joke thing, you know. It's, it's, anyway. <laughs> Uh, how good is God? Is he good or what? Amen? Like my wife said, what a wild week. But I promise you, <clears throat> God wasn't in heaven and the snow and the ice hit Kerrville in Texas. And he looked over at one of the angels and said, how did this happen? Not, not. He was already there. He was already there to provide for you, you know. Because we live in a fallen world, um, there are a lot of things that happen that are not God. But we live in a fallen world, and because we live in a fallen world, just stuff happens, right? Stuff happens. And when it happens, that's where our faith and trust has to be in God. Because I'm telling you, when your faith and trust is in God, then you were built for any battle you face. You're built for it. You're built to come through it, no matter what it is. And I'm really excited about that. Can you say amen? So we've had a little bit of a break, and uh, and I guess it was two weeks ago that I started this series, The Depth of Prayer. The Depth of Prayer. And this is my second message on this. And I want to do a little review from the first message, and I want to start with Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. And this is in the New King James. He spoke a parable to them that men ought, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. The Amplified of this verse says this, Also, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not turn coward, which in parentheses is defined as faint, lose heart, and give up. Men ought always to pray and not give up. If you don't develop an attitude of prayer and understanding what prayer is, and that's what we're defining as we did in our last message. It'd be good for you to go back and look at it, listen to it. But what, what we're defining is what prayer is and the need for prayer continuously. Men ought always to pray and not quit, not give up, not lose heart, not turn coward, not pull back and pull away. Because if you don't pray, you quit. That's why he's saying you got to pray and you got to learn what praying is. Man, when I, when I got born again and, and I came into the church world, man, all these, all this stuff that they put on you about praying, Lord God. 
I mean, it was like, how am I going to do this? You know, I mean, I'm hearing people that get up at five o'clock in the morning, they spend an hour, two or three or four, you know, and praying. And I'm thinking, man, how, how, do, how do they do that? What is that? What does it even look like? What is praying? And, uh, and over time, I begin to realize it wasn't the length of your prayers. He just said, always pray, always have a mindset of prayer and what, what true prayer is, and that's what we're defining. Another passage that we read last time was found in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. And it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will for you to pray always. I'm going to say it again. It's God's will for you to pray always. I don't believe that what he's talking about is every breath has to be a prayer. I believe what he's talking about is a mindset of prayer that you stay aware of God's presence and aware of what God thinks about situations. We'll address that a little bit more. Another verse of Scripture found in Ephesians that just backs this up. In the 6th chapter, in the 18th verse, says, Praying always with all prayer, all manners of prayer, all types of prayer, and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. <clears throat> and I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. How can you pray for everybody? You know, and the reason you have to define this is I think people read things like this and they give up because they think, how am I going to do that? So, you have to, you, so there has to be some definition to it. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you how I see this and I see the importance of it is there's, a, there's an everybody in my life. There's all kinds of people in my life. And God brings new people to me all the time. And as I've taught prayer and how God showed me to pray over five years ago and the, and the effectiveness of that, as he adds more people to me, that's my all people. He's not talking about the six billion people on the planet. I mean, you, you can pray and speak a general type of a blessing or declaration over the whole planet. Father, thank you that, that your presence is coming over this planet and all living beings on planet Earth, that your presence is overtaking it. I mean, that, that is a prayer and, and there's, you, you can pray that as you're led by the Spirit of God. But God, that there in, in many cases, because there's all manners of prayer, all types of prayer, God wants us to be specific about what we're praying for and who we're praying for in, in, in many different ways. So it's, it's that God wants us to pray and to supplicate for people. Um, the word prayer I defined uh, a couple of weeks ago, but if you've been around here for very long, you've heard me talk about this many, many times, that true prayer is just connecting with God. It's a connection with God, being aware of God. To, to supplicate is a form of prayer, but it's different than the prayer that we've talked about because the word supplication is defined as asking. 
to supplicate for all people, all saints, all, all, all people on the planet. To supplicate is to ask for things for people, to ask things for yourself. So prayer and supplication, even though their supplication is a form of praying, it's not exactly like many other types of praying is, and, and, and he made a point to address this in a number of different scriptures, prayer and supplication. In um, Ephesians 1 and 16, and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, these are just scriptures that we read last time. He said, Paul said this to the church at Ephesus. He said, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. He said, I've not stopped giving thanks for you. So continuously, he's giving thanks. On a day-to-day basis, he's giving thanks for these churches and, and, and the people that are a part of these churches. So today, as we see from these verses of Scripture, God desires us to continue in prayer so that we don't turn coward, we don't quit, we don't give up, and and we don't throw in the towel in life. Because if you don't pray, that will be the end result. It may not be today, may not be tomorrow, but over time, you don't have the ability inside of you to maintain in life against the pressures that are out there if you don't learn how to pray. You don't have the ability. I'm just telling you, I don't care how good and how strong you think you are, you do not have the capability of maintaining and not throwing in the towel if you don't pray. And listen to me. Throwing in the towel doesn't just mean, well, you quit your job or your business or you, you, you quit in, the, in, in that way in the natural. Where you throw in the towel is mentally and emotionally. You give up. You can, be, you can be worth millions and billions of dollars and have all kinds of possessions and mentally you've given up on the inside. There's no hope. And he's saying to us today, we have to learn how to pray. We have to learn what real prayer is. So I want to look at just two or three things in the rest of this message today. In how to be prepared to pray. In John 15, in verse 7, <clears throat> Jesus said this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be be done and accomplished. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. To abide in God is to make and develop a home, an assurance, a knowing in, on the inside of you that God is all you need. That you can do all things through Christ who is your strength. And that that becomes something that is settled on the inside of you. And the way that's developed is through a daily routine of God's Word. 
And the daily routine that I'm talking about is not asking because he said here, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, everything that you ask will be done. Now, I heard, I've heard many people talk about this, and I've heard this story many, many different times, and I'm just giving you a little piece of it. I've heard people talk about this. But every promise in God's Word is tied to spiritual law. Everybody say spiritual law. Now, I think this is probably the best example that I've ever heard Connecting spiritual law to the way that natural law operates. And I'm not a pilot. I don't fly planes, but I fly in planes. And I've flown in a number of small planes. I I, I didn't fly the plane, but I was seated in in a number of small planes at different times through the years. And one of the things that is astonishing to me is that when you're in, you know, when you're flying in a jet and you're in the back of the plane and the pilot's in the front, it's one thing. But when you're in a small plane and you're like where the co-pilot would be, sitting next to the pilot and he's flying the plane, and you begin to go down the runway and you begin to take off, it's astonishing to me how that person that's flying that plane has absolute confidence that that plane is going to rise (laughs) before the end of the runway. Absolute confidence. And why is that? Because they've been trained, they've been to school, they've, they've flown simulators, then they, they got their pilot's license, they've got hours on plane, and every single time when the plane was right and they're on a runway that's long enough for their plane, whatever type of plane it is, they're confident that because every single time that they have connected to the law of lift and thrust, the law of lift and thrust has not done away with the law of gravity. It superseded it. And the Word of God is the same way. Many, many people, I mean, just, just, just picture a... I, I asked Dale this this morning because he, he he's works with airplanes and all... But if, if a pilot is going down the runway and he's about two-thirds of the way to the end and he's still not off the ground, if he pulls back and hits the brakes, he's going to end up in a fence or a ditch or whatever's at the end. He's not going to make it. So to see the law of lift and thrust override the law of gravity... You have to know that you know that you know, man, we're doing this thing. And many people in in the church world have no understanding of God and try to override and supersede 
the laws of what the natural looks like, but don't have the understanding to know that you stay with it until the end. You get in the plane, you begin to take off, you know, like when you're sitting in a jet, you know, and, the, and, the, and they're taxing on the runway, and then all of a sudden, they're where they need to be, and then, all, and then here you go. Here we go. Well, if that pilot all of a sudden says, man, I don't know if we're going to make it. Uh, get me off. Huh? I, I want off the plane. I don't need some guy that doesn't believe this is going to work. It's got to work. And when he said here, if you abide in me and my words abide in you like the words that a pilot had to be convinced of that the law of lift and thrust will override the law of gravity. They're not, I guess, I don't know, a pilot's not necessarily taught maybe those words that I'm giving you right now, but I'm telling you that's what, at the end of the day, that's what's happening. And when that happens, and they're sure of it, and they know it's going to happen every single time, then in essence what they're doing is they're asking for lift when the plane is first taking off, when, when, the, when they've first engaged with the plane into moving down the runway. They're saying, this is taking off. We're taking off. And then it goes a little bit farther, and they're still not off the ground. And it goes a little bit farther, and they're still not off the ground. It goes a little bit farther, and they're still not off the ground. And then they just don't quit. He said, men ought always to pray and not quit. And they just don't quit, and they just stay with it. And then all of a sudden, and that's the way it is in life with God. That's the way it is in life with the Word of God. That's why every day, every day when I have a daily routine of confession of the Word, I'm not asking God for something. I'm declaring what God says is so. And all of the promises of God's Word that I'm declaring every day, they are spiritual law. They're spiritual law. And God says they are so, whether you believe it or not. And all of us, at times, in certain situations, we've been in the plane. We pulled it back. We pulled the throttle back. We put the brakes on. Man, I just don't know if this is going to work. We go back to God. God, what happened here? You've, you've given up on your daily routine. You've given up on making yourself aware of how real that I am through the confession of your word. If you don't confess what I say is so on a daily basis, you're not making yourself aware that God is there for you all the time. And one of the things that it does is it shuts your emotions down in difficult times. This week, I was not ready for no electricity and no water. I wasn't ready. How about you? I mean, some people were. I mean, I, I know some people, they're set up for that. I was not ready for those two things. I could have been. 
but I didn't take what was coming serious enough. And because of that, because I didn't take that serious, my emotions began to get stirred up in thinking, how are we going to fix this? Doesn't look like we can trust the city. Doesn't look like we can trust K-Pub or the water. I'm not against them. I'm just saying, we can't, I can't put my faith in them. And what I've been trained to do is shut your emotions down. How do I do that? Pray in the Spirit. It's one of the forms of prayer. Praying in other tongues empowers me to be able to hear what God would tell me to do. I, I, I've, we came up with four or five different creative ideas this week about how to stay warm and how to manage without water in the natural, how to, how to manage. But it took quieting my soul, my wife and I quieting our souls and listening to what God says and then just do what he says. And it worked. My toes are still cold, but it worked. Did you hear me? It worked. Everybody say it worked, okay? It's a battle. It's something that you, I, I, mean, I mean, nobody, no Democrat or no Republican created this snowstorm. Well, some of them think they did, but anyway. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, nobody created this. This wasn't a political deal. Now, what happened as a result of it may have been some political stuff involved in there, but that's not where our focus is. Our focus is on God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then, then, when you ask for something, then you get it. But I have to believe it without doubting first. That's why my daily routine is so vital in renewing my mind every day of the promises of God so that when the, the, the laws of the land that in the natural say that that spiritual law doesn't work, did you hear me? When the laws of the land or the natural things say, no, that spiritual law can't work. Then, as I've been renewing my mind, when I get faced with something in the natural that looks like I can't do it, no, 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 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've said that for 44 years, every day. And I promise you, this week, it was apparent and, and it came in the form, it came up out of the inside of me in the form of thanksgiving to God. God, I can do this. I can handle this. I'm not going to be afraid of something. I'm not going to be afraid of anything. I can handle this. I'll call Brian. <clears throat> I, I can handle this. You understand? I can do this. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever you're, uh, you're, you're up against. This whole coronavirus thing this, this past year and in, into this year, all, all the issues with, with the coronavirus, we can deal with this. We can handle this. We can overcome this. We'll get past this. But the Bible says darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. And all that's out there, all, those, all that darkness is out there and the stuff is out there. That doesn't mean there's not more battles and more stuff. But God but God and his word. You abide in me, and my words abide. They take, they've taken up residency because 
Every day, you're making yourself aware of spiritual law and letting natural law know. I'm not talking about disobeying the laws of the land. I'm talking about natural laws like gravity and, and natural laws like when something looks a certain way, that doesn't mean that's the way it is when God says something different. And that's what we have to defy on a day-to-day basis. But if you're not aware of God and who he is and what his promises say, and they're not a part of you, then you're the guy going down the runway, getting about halfway there. Uh, I don't think we can make it. You talk to a seasoned pilot, he's never had it one time when the law of living, I didn't say that there's not times there wasn't something malfunction in the plane. I'm talking about when everything's right with the plane and the runway's the right runway, every season pilot will tell you not one time has the law of lift and thrust not worked and defy the law of gravity. I'm telling you today, not one time. Listen, if you just stay in the battle, God will make sure you win. If in the battle you're allowing the Word of God to be your go-to. Letting the Word settle every issue, everything that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, you let the Word become that. Man, people used to tell me that in my early days of salvation. I'm thinking, what the, what, what, what? What are you, what are you talking about being a doer of the Word? You know, taking the Bible and shaking it or doing something? What do you mean do the Word? Well, I know today. And doing the Word comes from confessing the Word, meditating on what you're confessing, allowing that to be a part of you so that when you ask for something, you get it. Like Fabian said earlier, when you ask, you get it now. Everybody say, faith is now. See, but, but, see, but, but the natural mind will say that, well, if I said it and it didn't happen, then that didn't mean it doesn't work. No, the now is the belief for it right now. And when you believe, when you get to the place where you're truly believing for it, then it'll be now. Otherwise, you're the pilot putting the brakes on, pulling the throttle back, because you're not convinced it's really going to work. So, rejoice. Huh? If you're the one still pulling the throttle back and putting the brakes on in certain things, okay, whatever. Just keep doing the word. Stay in it, and God will make sure you win. Keep praying. Your prayers don't have to look good. huh? They don't even have to sound good. Just, I mean, I mean, all you may know is, God bless me. Okay, do it. Say it. You know, when there, there were two times in Scripture when Jesus prayed for a long time. One time he prayed all night. You know what he had to do the next day? The next day, he had to choose the 10, his, his uh, 12 disciples, apostles that they became. He had to choose those, and they had to be the right ones. And, and he prayed all night long for that. Another time, he prayed for a number of hours for some specific things. But most of Jesus' prayers and most of the prayers in the Bible are short. It's not how long you pray, it's how effective you pray and how you're praying and declaring things that God is telling you to to declare. But there's no greater way for me to pray than having the ability of praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, 
and having the interpretation of what I'm praying from God and really believing in that. It's one thing to say that, and that sounds confusing if you know absolutely nothing about it. But when you get that and you get a hold of it, you have found the tool that empowers you to accomplish in the earth what God puts you here to accomplish. Until you get that, not that you, we can't somewhat, but you will struggle to accomplish what God put you on the planet without having the ability to hear from him. He made you. He created you. He created you a spirit before he created you anything else. And he wants to be the one that tells you what to do. See, a lot of people are waiting for God to do the things in the earth. God's not going to do anything. He's already done it all. See, who, who did he send us? Holy Spirit, the doer. Holy Spirit, the helper. He won't do it for us, but he'll help us do what he wants done. That's why we got to know him. That's why we have to be influenced by him. That's why the Spirit of God, we, who is a person, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a he, he's a person. And we have to have ongoing connection and influence and relationship with him to be able to know what God wants us to do. That's what prayer is in its many forms and many facets. It's connection with God. So that when we begin to supplicate and we begin to ask for things, we get what we ask for. That's another spiritual law also. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to come to pass, he'll have everything that he says. And the next verse says that that saying is in the form of asking. Everything he asks for, he will get. Why? Because he's asking what Father said he needs to be asking for. And when you and I are asking for what Father says we're to ask for, then we get what we ask for. And when our asking isn't influenced by the Holy Spirit, then a lot of times we get off. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. Because of the lack of influence of the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. Where does that come from? Daily routine. We've been preaching that for the last five years. I'm just keep saying it. Daily routine is the key. And if you don't quit, he'll make sure you win. Do you realize you have no part to play in the Word doing the work that the Word will do? Other than getting it in your ears and coming out of your mouth so that it can be deposited on the inside of you. So that so that what John 15, 7 says if you abide in me and my words abide in you, they've taken residency on the inside. They're final authority that settle everything for you. Then you ask what you desire and it shall be done. So my asking must be connected. It must be, no, it must be influenced by my connection. My asking must be influenced by my connection. That's the prayer connection that God wants with every human being on planet earth. <clears throat> In James 5 and verse 13, 
Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Now, I've been telling you and been reading Scripture to you about how important it is to pray for all people. Okay? I have a responsibility to pray for people. You have a responsibility to pray for people that God has put on your heart. But when it comes to things that are coming against you, he didn't say, call for everybody else. He said, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. You see, that's not politically correct and that's not popular, but I'm telling you, what, he, what, what James is saying here is he wants us to get to the place where we know how to pray. We don't have to depend on, you know, 10,000 other people praying for us. Our dependence is on believing that Jesus paid the price, he delivered us, he liberated us and set us free. He wants us to become convinced of that. I did not say we're not to pray for people. What I did say is he's wanting us to learn how to pray for ourselves. Look at the next thing he said. Is anyone cheerful? Go to your neighbor's house and ask them to sing praises for you. Something good has happened and you're going to be cheerful, but you're going to get someone else to sing praises. No. Same way with the prayer. You understand? It's vital we know what prayer is so that we can pray and be effective so other people that we pray for, our prayers are effective in helping them. We're always dependent on everybody else to lift us and take care of us and do all that needs to be done. We're always doing that. Then we're not in a position to develop our faith and trust in God that he will do what he said. Many times when you're believing God for something, God sends somebody to rescue. But when you have believed him for that and you see that happen, oh my gosh. There's nothing like that. Oh, Pastor, I was believing God. I took what you said and I was believing God the other day for something and somebody came across my path and gave me this. This is what I was believing God for. Yeah, God's going to use people. But he doesn't want God doesn't want us in a manipulative state of mind where we're trying to work the promises of God. He wants us to believe in the promises of God. Can you say amen? Verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. He said the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. How many righteous people do we have in here today? You're the righteousness of God in Christ. So you, you, someone asked the question, are you righteous? Absolutely, because of him. Hmm? The effective, fervent prayer of somebody knows that they're righteous because of him avails much, accomplishes much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah was nobody special, person with emotions just like us. 
He curbed his emotions. He heard God. He prayed. Three and a half years, it didn't rain because of his prayer. What do you think about our prayers? Can we stop things in the natural? Can we see things prevented? Can we do things in a supernatural way that that go against the natural realm and the natural law? Well, you know, hurricanes coming in, you can't stop a hurricane. He did, in essence. In essence, he, he, he stopped the natural cause or the, 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 the natural effect of the weather to change because of his prayer. Do you know, what he, you know what he did? He heard from God. You don't just pray something because it sounds good. You pray because you hear from God. You abide in me and my words abide in you. You ask what you will, it will be done of the Father. That's what he said. Amen? Listen to me. We're building, we are building in the earth a house of prayer. We're building a house of prayer in the earth. Right? Who are you and I? We, we are the house of God, are we not? And inside of us, we're building this house of prayer so that we can be effective in ways that no one else will know about. Everybody, everybody didn't need to know the way you pray and who you pray for and all the different things, except when you're teaching and training people how to, how to get results. I'm talking to you today about getting results, and the Word is very clear how to do that. And my last passage <clears throat> that I want to read is out of Philippians 4. <clears throat> and I'm saying to you, today. This is the reason, this is the reason that we pray. What I'm fixing to read right here and give you is the reason that you pray. It's the reason we pray. And it's very clear in the scripture right here. And I want you to notice in this passage, it talks about prayer and supplication again for the fourth time. Philippians 4 and 6. Be anxious or worried or fretful or upset about nothing. Everybody say nothing. Be anxious, worried, or fretful about nothing. But in everything, instead of worrying, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request, your asking, be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Listen to me. Write this down. Don't forget this. What I'm going to say to you right now, I believe, is the key to this whole message. It's the key to it. And it's the, it's the why to the purpose of praying. Don't forget this. It's vital that you don't forget this. It's very simple. But don't forget this. Most people worry all the time. Now catch this. Prayer is the substitute for worry. Most people worry all the time. It's very natural. It's very easy. It's easy to engage worry and, and fretfulness and anxiety and those kind of, very easy to just, just give into it. 
and let it get the best of you. The substitute for that is true prayer. When you learn how to pray and you learn what prayer is, then you have to be engaging in prayer. That's why he said, men ought always to pray and not quit, not give up, not throw in the towel. Always pray. Everybody say always. It's not every breath is a prayer. It's the continuation of your awareness of your connection to God and how beneficial your asking is. The scripture I, I just quoted earlier that said, <clears throat> it's in James also, have not because you ask not. Now I'm going to just address real quickly that, the first part of that. Most people don't ask. And the reason they don't ask, because they don't think it's coming to pass. You have not because you ask not. Then, then there's another group of people, you ask and receive not because you're asking with the wrong motive. When you're trying to create something that you're going to call prayer, and your daily routine is not involved in making you aware of the presence of God and what every promise says is yours, if you don't have that on a daily basis you're going to screw up your prayer life. Because prayer is, is not a lot of different things that people have called prayer. Well, if I just lay on my face for an hour, that's not prayer. You can pray in that position, that's fine, but that's not prayer. Well, you know, I, I, I have this closet that I go into. That's not prayer. You can pray in that closet, but that's not prayer. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you ask, you pray. Listen, pray, notice he said prayer and asking, because if all you ever do is ask God for things, I mean, after a while, I mean, come on. He wants you to connect with him in his presence, and that's what praying in the Spirit produces, this awareness of God and who God is and what God wants to do for us. And in, in that state of knowing Him and abiding in Him and Him being your home that you reside in spiritually on the inside of you, and then His words coming out of your mouth and renewing your mind day to day puts you in a place where you know Him, you're confident in Him, you can pray for all people that God brings across your path and tells you to pray for, and you can pray effectively. And you know what? You know what's good about that is that you'll never quit. I got saved. My younger brother was worse than I was. I prayed for him a while and said, God, it's not going to happen. He's too bad. So I quit. And then he got saved. <laughs> But I learned from that, you just never quit. And when you have that tenacity that you're never going to quit, that comes from where? Comes from the word that you're putting in your mouth on a day-to-day -day basis. God, what do you say? I don't desire that one, that one perish. Not one, but all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Woo! If that's the case, then my prayers are working, and everybody I've come in contact with, the words that I put out there on their behalf will not return void, but accomplish what I set them out to accomplish. 
prayer works. You don't have to be mad at anybody for the rest of your life. You don't have to, you have to take sides against people and human beings. You can stand up for things and have convictions about certain things and don't back off from them, but they don't have to be the thing you live for. You don't have to offend everybody on the planet with your convictions. You can allow your convictions to liberate people's lives. You really believe that way? Yeah. Why? Well, because I found out years ago in the Word that the Word said this, and I just, it's just, that's, that's what God showed me is the way He thinks, so that's why I think that way. You have to shove those kind of things down people's throats. You pray for them and love them until they can come to a place where they can receive from the Word of God, but without prayer, people won't come in. So, you know, if I have to pray for all six billion people, I'm taking the challenge. But that's not true, right? How many people are praying for people today in the name of Jesus? And I'm telling you, people's lives are being changed and liberated and set free. Remember, prayer is the substitute for worry. And I'll leave you with this. (laughs) People think, well, you know, that praying takes a long time. Worrying takes a long time. It wears you out. It takes up all your time. I mean, days and weeks and months. And then you get past the issue, and your worrying didn't do a thing for it, except it stressed you out, wore you out, and, and, it, and it helped you to head in the direction toward the grave prematurely in your life. It didn't do a thing for you. Oh, man, I promise you, worrying takes up a whole lot more time than praying does. Because most prayers don't have to be some long, drawn-out thing. Just put words. Just put words to what you think you need to, to, to be saying. I, I was in an airplane one time. I'll just finish with this story. I was in an airplane one time where the pilot knew the law of lift and thrust. And uh, we're flying, and a guy sitting next to me, and he was from uh, some Middle Eastern country, can't remember it now where, this is probably 25 years ago, and, um, and he was headed to Texas, to Austin, to learn, to go to UT and learn about Christianity. That's what I asked him. I said, you're going to go to University of Texas and learn about Christianity? He said, yeah. I, I, I want to learn about the religion of Christianity. And so I don't usually tell people I'm a pastor because people get all freaked out and they act weird and all that kind of stuff. So I, I just tell them I'm, I'm, I'm in public relations. You know, I relate with the public. And, um, but I told this guy, you know what, I'm a pastor. He goes, Really? He said, can you talk to me? So I, I think we're, I was flying from Atlanta to San Antonio, so it was about two and a half hours. And in that, on that flight, I shared with this guy about Christianity. And when I got through with it, he told me, he said, you know, I feel like I've gotten everything, every question answered that I was coming here to go to school for. He said, I don't know if I'm going to go to school. And I mean, he, he said that to me. I'm thinking, Wow. He said, but you answered my questions. 
And I don't remember everything that was said in it, but the one thing that stands out to me is that he said, he said to me, you really believe in your Christian faith or whatever he said. And I said, yeah. He said, I can tell you, dude. He said, I've studied every religion on the planet. And he said, most of the people, it's like they're reading it out of a book to you about why they do what they do. And he said, and they're, they're committed to their religions. But he said, I feel like you believe it. And I said, I do. And I told that guy, and he's on my prayer list. I told him, I said, I'll pray for you every day from here on out. This is probably 25, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. And he said, you'll pray for me? I said, yeah. And I've prayed for him for over 20 years. And I promise you that my words don't return void, but they accomplish what they were set out to accomplish. And the seed that I planted in him in a two-hour plane flight, that seed didn't return void. Today, I believe that guy's saved somewhere. Somehow he came to the kingdom. I didn't get a card, didn't get a number, didn't get any of those kind of things. You don't really need it because what he needed was my prayers. Did you hear me? But when you're fretting all the time and you're worrying about every little thing that's going on and you're worried about the future, yeah, but Pastor, you don't know. All, look at all the stuff that's going on. Yeah, and it's going to keep going on because the Bible tells us. The Bible says darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people, but the Lord. I'm living in but the Lord. Amen? And when we live in but the Lord and everything that that involves and his word and, and, and his, our connection with him, there's not anything we can't do and there's not anything we can't accomplish. Can you say amen to that today? Remember, don't forget it. Substitute for word is prayer.